Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and I'm back from cruising. Had a great time in the Mediterranean. We'll be returning there in 2007. But enough with the chit-chat. Let's get started here. And this talk, I'm going to speak about malignant adrenal tumors. We all recognize that malignant adrenal tumors can be defined as either primary tumors or metastatic. Metastatic disease, whether it's from lung or melanoma or any of the sources, is far more common than other tumors. Primary adrenal carcinoma is indeed very rare, and as are some of the other tumors. But let's take a careful look at them. Uh, when we think about adrenal carcinoma, we recognize we're typically thinking about large masses, but that's not always the case. They make up a small percent of malignant tumors with a peak incidence in the fourth and fifth decade of life, typically more common in females by a small degree, although functioning tumors are definitely more common in women. These are usually unilateral, but in up to 5% of cases can be bilateral. About half of these tumors have excess steroid hormonal production, with Cushing's being the most common. There are a number of hormones that can be produced, from androgens to estrogen, uh, but typically Cushing's is the classic appearance. Patients who have functioning tumors present with smaller lesions because they typically present earlier. Patients whose tumors are not functioning present with typically larger masses, so they have flank pain, fever, weight loss, or even metastatic disease. If you look at the CT findings in primary adrenal carcinoma, about one-third of cases have some calcification. The average size is 9 centimeters, but again, the functioning tumors are in the 3 centimeter range, the non-functioning 10 to 20 or 25 centimeters even. The appearance is variable. Some tumors are homogeneous. Most are heterogeneous with areas of necrosis and variable enhancement. When you're looking at staging these tumors, we recognize that tumors are fairly aggressive. These tumors can extend locally to nodes, can invade the renal vein and IVC. We see distant metastases like lung, liver, and bone as classic type lesions. When we think about adrenal carcinoma, most of the time the metastases are hypovascular, though in this case, look at this left adrenal mass, and you see a hypervascular metastasis to the liver. This is a nice example of thinking about these lesions versus benign lesions. This lesion's over 5 cm. It has enhancement. It would not have any washout value. It's not that smooth adenoma appearance. So whether you look at this tumor on the coronal display or not, you can see it's really a necrotic mass. Now the amount of necrosis will indeed vary on different adrenal tumors. So here's one, a large mass right adrenal gland. You notice this is a good example showing you that sometimes with right-sided tumors, it's difficult to define the origin, be it kidney, adrenal, pancreas sometimes, or, or hepatic. Uh, it's much easier on the left side where there is less confusion. These tumors are necrotic, as shown nicely here. At times, they appear to have a pseudocapsule. This lesion was not resected initially, and three months later, this patient had metastasis to the liver. The patient had metastasis to the lung as well, showing you that adrenal carcinoma, primary adrenal carcinoma, is very aggressive. The only real treatment for cure is surgery. So if patient is a potential cure, you need to do surgery. There's no magic bullet in terms of chemotherapy or in terms of radiation therapy. 
I mentioned that these tumors are typically large, but I thought I would show you one that was only in the five centimeter range. But this one is nice and smooth, but from a differential diagnosis perspective, you're not gonna confuse this with an adenoma. That's not the issue. So again, think about adrenal carcinoma. In terms of imaging, I mentioned at the start of my first uh, lecture on the adrenals that often multiplanar or 3D imaging is helpful, particularly on the right side when lesions are large. So in this case, one might have considered on the axial view a liver mass or even a renal mass, but on the 3D mapping coronal display, very obvious that it's a primary adrenal mass pushing on kidney and pushing on liver. Or in this case, what's this lesion? Is this a lesion of the liver? Is it adrenal? Is it pancreas? And there is a metastasis to the left lobe of the liver, and the lesion is very vascular. But in the coronal display, it's easy to see that its epicenter is near the adrenal gland. This is an aggressive tumor involving the dome of the kidney, involving the uh, liver directly. But on the 2D and 3D mapping, it's easier to see specifically where the tumor is and what its areas of involvement are. So I do find this to be very helpful. Another example, if you looked at this image, you might say, well, hepatoma, neovascularity, this is really a huge adrenal carcinoma. Again, adrenal carcinomas can have neovascularity. And here's how they look a little bit later where you see tumor necrosis. Very nicely shown. Adrenal carcinomas often can be cystic with mural nodules. Here's a large left adrenal mass. Look how it displaces the splenic vein. And here it is on a thinner slab. You can see the lesion is cystic, but not a cyst. The lesion has mural nodules within it. The lesion has nodules in the dome as well as the base. And this is very classic for a cystic tumor, most likely primary carcinoma. I will admit that I've seen these cystic lesions, and here's two more visualizations of this tumor. I've seen this occasionally with pheochromocytomas. I've seen it with true adrenal cysts, but once you have that nodularity, you're kind of stuck. I mentioned before, adrenal carcinoma will extend directly into renal vein and into IVC. And here's a nice example of uh, uh, IVC involvement going up into the base of the heart. Again, very important to look at this region when you're staging adrenal tumors. We mentioned before about neovascularity, and here's a good example of neovascularity. It's an adrenal mass based on epicenter, but for the life of me, the axial images make this very tough. Coronal display, again, you could be thinking hepatoma, but this is truly gonna be an adrenal carcinoma. So at times there is some overlap, Here's the axial image showing IVC involvement and the coronal. But I think when one looks carefully at the coronal displays, whether it's multiplanar coronal or 3D, you really do understand the epicenter of the mass and how in this case it invades the liver and it goes into IVC. Now most cases of large adrenal masses, they do not invade the liver. They simply push on the liver and it simulates hepatic invasion. So one needs to be careful but be especially careful not to overcall. I mentioned before in terms of malignancies, Mets are more common, is the most common malignant adrenal mass with variable size and appearance and variable attenuation values. Uh, primary sites range from lung to breast to kidney to melanoma. 
Many other tumors go to the adrenal, but these are the most common. Often metastasis can be picked up incidentally. At times, metastasis will be the first sight that the patient has a tumor. This patient was evaluated for a cystic pancreatic lesion, incidentally seen on ultrasound, but we saw this adrenal mass, and when the patient was worked up further, this adrenal mass was actually metastatic lung cancer. And here's another example, metastatic tumor to adrenal, that's necrotic. Here's an example of tumor metastatic into the um, uh, pulmonary veins, extending into the patient's atrium. And here's bilateral adrenal masses. This was metastatic melanoma. Although at times we're not very specific as to the underlying site of a primary tumor based simply on the appearance of the metastasis, when you have two round adrenals, think melanoma. And then when you have other lesions like the cardiac lesion, it makes it so much sweeter. Now, in terms of appearances, here's small cell lung cancer. You see the patient's necrotic right adrenal mass. And here's another patient with lung cancer where the lesions to the adrenal are much more cystic. And I show you these two cases just to show you how variable, even from the same primary tumor, lesions can be cystic to solid to necrotic to mural nodules, but they all spell malignancy. And here's just one more metastasis. This almost looks like a bleed. It's a large cystic lesion, but again, METs can be cystic. Again, think melanoma. If, and here's two more images of that. If metastasis are vascular, think renal cell carcinoma, Renal cell, whether it's the pancreas, to liver, to bone, to muscle, or to adrenal, gives vascular liver mets. So here's a nice example of bilateral adrenal metastasis from a renal primary with the lesions being hypervascular. And here's some nice visualizations of those lesions. Another tumor that uh, we see occasionally is lymphoma. Most of the time when we see adrenal involvement, it's secondary to extensive peripancreatic disease. But occasionally it can be primary. In those cases, it's typically non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and usually is bilateral, although it can be either. Here's an example, primary adrenal lymphoma, large bilateral soft adrenal masses. Very, very classic. Another example, relatively low grade or low density values because the adrenals are infiltrated. There's no significant adenopathy. This also was non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, as opposed to this case where there's extensive involvement of the right adrenal, but it's because there's direct extension where you can see the kidneys, the parotid regions. So sometimes there's direct extension with lymphoma, and that's more classic where there's extensive involvement. Other times we may see primary uh, masses that look very similar to metastatic disease from any other source. Let me comment a bit on pheochromocytomas, one of the most interesting lesions because of its multiple syndromes and variable findings. Peak incidence is age 40 to 50. It's multicentric in 10% of cases. It can be extra adrenal, and when it is extra adrenal, about 90% are in the organ of zircocondyl at the aortic bifurcation, and about 10% of these cases are malignant. About 10% of pheos are bilateral. Remember, pheos have the rule of 10 including 10% of the time, I can't remember the answer. These tumors secrete catecholamines, which result in hypertension. Plasma catecholamine levels at uh, 24 hours are elevated, so 
Again, it's often a, chem- a chemical type diagnosis. There is an issue of IV contrast. Can you give IV contrast with suspected FEO? I think the issue is that in the past, uh, with the era of ionic contrast, there was more of an issue. With non-ionic contrast, you need to be careful to be able to treat a reaction, but you're typically not going to see one. Pheochromocytomas, when they're extradrenal, MIBG can be helpful, and MR can also be very helpful in these patients. With pheos, they're part of multiple syndromes. When they're part of syndromes, they may be multiple or they may be small. And here's an example of a patient with von Hippel-Lindau disease where there's a one centimeter or less hypervascular left adrenal mass. So very, very classic for pheochromocytomas. Here's another example, right-sided mass enhancing, classic for pheo. Another example, adrenal mass, hypervascular, classic for pheochromocytoma. Here's the same lesion in coronal display. So now you're thinking to yourself, if we see a vascular lesion in the adrenal gland, there aren't too many differential diagnoses to think about. Now, another example about uh, metastatic renal cell cancer, the lesions in this case are somewhat cystic. And again, although renal cell can be very vascular, that's not always the case. I showed you a large cystic carcinoma a few moments ago. Here's a large cystic pheochromocytoma. Incidental finding, I would not call this a pheo. You can call this a cystic carcinoma potentially, a benign cystic lesion that bled. You can go through a differential, but I never would have guessed carcinoma or pheochromocytoma. And in this case, it was a large pheochromocytoma. Remember, pheos tend to be small in the 2 to 4 or 5 centimeter range. This is one of the largest ones, and this patient was asymptomatic. And here's two more views really nicely showing you the process. Pheos often show up when they're not considered. This patient has thickening of the antrum, classic gastric carcinoma. We saw the adrenal lesion, thought maybe it was meds, though gastric meds are rare, but it's an enhancing lesion you got to think pheochromocytoma. Again, the issue is if patients go to surgery and have a pheo, there's potential catastrophe. Another example, look at this hypervascular lesion, very much classic pheochromocytoma. And here's one more on the left side, very large pheochromocytoma. I mentioned before, pheos can be extra adrenal in terms of location. In this case, the lesion is near but not in the adrenal gland itself. In this case, the hypervascular mass is situated at the bifurcation in the so-called uh, uh, area of the organ of Zuckerkondl. So it's something to consider. If you don't see an adrenal mass and you're suspecting a pheochromocytoma, you better scan the rest of the uh, abdomen and pelvis. And here's another example of an incidental pheo. So pheos occasionally can be problematic. Now, a question is, can you mistake a pheo for an adenoma? Remember, we spoke about washout values. Well, there's several things to think about. Pheos can look like metastasis. That's most common with renal, but you should see a renal mass. There are several benign lesions that look like pheos, or at least a vascular. One is a hemangioma. It's very rare, but again, its washout value is much steeper than a typical pheochromocytoma. There is some comments made that pheos can have low attenuation values and wash out. 
Uh, so you want to be careful, and I agree with that. Theo's enhanced significantly, so they can enhance to 180 and then wash out back to 80, which is greater than 50%, and you might say adenoma. My rule is that if something enhances above 120 Hounsfield units, I can't call it a adenoma. Above 120, I gotta be thinking about a pheochromocytoma. There is an article which looked at this issue uh, about potentially mistaking pheos and adenomas, but the series was kind of a little bit um, arbitrary because all of these cases had a history of suspected pheo. Again, once you suspect a pheo, because of the history of hypertension, it's much easier to make the right diagnosis. Also, the lesions were typically large, over 4.5 cm, and we use a strict 4 cm rule. If you have low density of adrenal or a washout that's over 50% and it's under 4 centimeters, then we call it an adenoma. Over 4 cm, you better worry. I mentioned there are other vascular adrenal lesions. We spoke about METS. We spoke about FEO. Well, incidental lesions, hemangioma, like in this case, is rare. But one of the things you can think about, and simply based on this image, I could not exclude a pheochromocytoma. And here it is with nice 3D mapping. And here's another example of a pheo we saw literally uh, last week, or we thought was a pheo, and ended up being an adrenal hemangioma. I think it's a very tough diagnosis because somebody with a little bit of hypertension, you see a vascular adrenal lesion, it got to come out. That's going to be a pheo. You're not always going to be correct. Now, there are other lesions, and one lesion we will discuss will be uh, a lesion in the pediatric patient, neuroblastoma. We'll also discuss some of the differential diagnosis for adrenal calcifications. But I think this time is running short. We've uh, overgone our allotted time, or the time I like to spend on these podcasts, which we like to be 12 or 13 minutes. So why don't we stop here, and next time we'll pick it up and look at adrenal calcification. So I wish you all a very pleasant day. Thanks a lot.